0: Hello and welcome to Your Fest, the podcast that's all about festivals. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined as ever and all by top. No, Tommy's not with us this week. It's just me for the intro. Um, Tommy's off playing cricket. But if this is the first time that you've ever listened to Your Fest, this podcast is all about festivals where each week a different guest joins us to talk to us about their experience of festivals and then tell us their dream festival lineup: the name, the location and the three headlining acts. And our guest joining us this week is Ellie Oldroyd, who you may have heard on Radio 5 Live or Fighting Talk, uh, where she is the first lady of Fighting Talk. We're very excited to have this one. Tommy is obviously a massive cricket fan, as evidenced by the fact that he's not bothered to be here today. And Ellie is the voice of cricket on the BBC. So let's get into this episode 12 of Your Fest with Ellie Oldroyd. Here we go. Welcome to YourFest and to the YourFest planning committee to Ellie Aldroyd. Thank you very much for joining us Ellie.
1: It's an absolute pleasure.
0: Hey, do you like the decor that we've got in the the planning committee boardroom and meeting room?
1: I do actually, that looks like you've got some very nice blinds. I'm kind of, I'm moving house quite soon so i'm thinking are those are those blinds the ones that you just that, that sort of fold up neatly in-
0: they are they're roman blinds from blinds to go they're nice I think we'll have to very put a hash, good hashtag sponsored post and hashtag advert on that to make it clear that we're product placement in the uh, in this episode where is this going guys where is yes,
1: this going? You, <laughs> can, you can say nice things about my kitchen as well johnny if you want to
0: <laughs> it's very nice i like the plants that you've got over your shoulder thank you big thank fan you. Of, big fan of indoor plants i've got a i've got a cricket bat over my shoulder oh
1: uh, i'd expect nothing less of you. you.
0: tommy (laughs) (laughs) it's just we've got to get the money from somewhere so if blinds to go want to give us some money so we can afford to put on all these music festivals we've got to give them a nice little mention here and there yeah
1: magnet kitchens it's fine it's
2: not on the (laughs) bbc tommy do you want to name who who the manufacturer is (gasps) new balance there we go (laughs) but my 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 brother my brother works for them anyway so i I already get discounts so we're okay there but yeah still big big up new balance (laughs)
0: <laughs> so that's all our advertising done for this this week's with uh, this week's episode we don't have to worry about mentioning any other brand names throughout um this, this podcast obviously all about music festivals um are you a fan of them Ellie is the key question
1: well I think the simple answer is for myself no I mean I kind of I, I am in theory so when it when it was at Glastonbury you know Glastonbury all over the BBC all weekend and I, and I watched and I could just I could just imagine myself there and I was just watching the sun going down over Glastonbury 4 and thinking oh that looks so amazing and you know I've almost sort of imagined that I've got a couple of pints of cider down and I'm watching Elbow doing something you know kind of smooth and mellow in in, in the evening light. Yeah, but after this, you've got to get back to your. You've got to walk about (laughs) five miles to get to your tent. You've you've sat in a queue to get there. You know it's going to be uncomfortable. You've lost all your friends, and you've got a wee in a (laughs) porta So basically, in theory, yes, but in practice, no. And I think that's partly because I didn't grow up going to festivals. Because because festivals, you know, I'm not going to say how old I am, but you know, but when I was first getting into music in my in my teens. Festivals weren't really a thing, you know. They, you you go. I went to plenty of gigs, but not really festivals. So I can kind of think festivals sort of passed me by in a way, or, or I or I passed festivals by, because by the time, you know, there were lots of festivals going on. Year, you know, thro- throughout the summer, um, my kids were a bit too grown up, and they didn't want to, They wouldn't be seen dead with me at a festival. So <laughs> so that's um, so that's that's part of it. But you know, we we I've, I've taken them to gigs, you know, when they're they're kind of twenty and nineteen. we've been to gigs together as they got old enough and that's something that actually we started to do quite quite early when they you could take them out for an evening and they didn't have to go to bed at six o'clock um we took them to see live music but but no i mean my my sort of growing up era was was around the time of you know sort of late 70s so so post-punk um you know new wave heading into the new romantics and that sort of thing um and then i went through a a dark period of the wheels on the bus go round and round, and <laughs> that sort of that sort of time. Um, and uh, yeah, and and, and and but yeah, um, but it, the short answer is, you wouldn't see me dead at a festival if it involves <laughs> camping
0: i think
1: i'm in team johnny on this aren't I?
0: I don't think there's enough music festivals where they play exclusively nursery rhymes so i think perhaps <laughs> that's a niche that we need to investigate a bit more i think there's a bit sh- i'm
1: sure that there is now a festival for absolutely every, every stage of life that you're at and whatever stage of life your kids are, are at actually that you know i probably it, you know if yeah, we were probably. doing this 10 years ago i could have yeah chosen en- endless festivals which would suit me down to the ground but no festivals like missed each other
2: what do you like um is there any, in particular, like in prospects that you like the idea of, like, say, would it be a Glastonbury or like a festival abroad or something?
1: Festival that I could get to easily um, <laughs> on public transport, get home afterwards, <laughs> or somewhere where, you know, maybe, in a, maybe actually in a nice big European city where, you, where you've got a nice Airbnb, so you can, you know, you can use nice nice, you know, clean public transport, Barcelona or somewhere like that. Um, and and then get to your Airbnb, a bit of late night food, but it's just it's just the mud and the tent and the portolans that, that that don't do it for me really.
2: I feel like I say this every week on on this, but um, I always big up uh, Primavera in Barcelona because it's just, especially as I've got older and I've kind of swayed away from going to Glastonbury and more to something like that.
0: Mm. And
2: it is it is it is literally that what you just said, like the mm. fact that you can. You just stay in a Airbnb or a or a decent hostel, and you don't have to don't have to deal with well. I, I suppose the main thing you know the weather's going to be good as well, which is yeah. a big thing for me.
1: I think I also I also wouldn't want to be you know if you pardon the expression I wouldn't want to be a festival wanker who stays in you know a, a massively glamping type type place. You know if I'm going to do someone something like Glastonbury, I'd want to do it properly. But then I, but I'm, I've also got not got very good associations with camping because throughout my kind of childhood so all the time I was at school we used to go abroad every year but my mum and dad didn't have a lot of money so we used to go camping in france every year and so it was you know it was, it was my parents in one tent my brothers in another tent and me in, in a tent on my own um and and so i feel like my camping days are, are are well and truly over you know i did i did that um so without without the music and yeah, I mean, it was it was good. It was good. You know, there were good holidays, but I have no desire to camp anymore. But I, maybe I need to get over the camping side and focus more on the music and the, the cider and the sun setting and the and elbow and all that sort of thing.
2: Johnny, what what is it about and um, that you? I mean, I feel like we've we've probably not touched on this enough. Like, what what actually? What's the most unfathomable? prospect of it for you you've been once haven't you you've been to one festival
0: I went to Leeds Festival in 2004 and mm. um it was enough to put me off for live ever going to <laughs> ever going to a music festival of that type again I think the fact that I, w- I was um, just doing my A-levels at that time I was going to say was fact this fact straight
1: after your GCSEs because it's yeah. part of, it's part of the national curriculum basically isn't it basically because now after it is. your GCSEs <laughs> you have to go to Reading or Leeds so both my both my daughters went to Reading after the PCSE. But
0: I think the problem is that it's full of other people that are the same age as you, that are mm. just going away from their parents for the first time and nobody really knows how to deal with that responsibility and that level of hormones that are going on um, and that <laughs> that amount of access to alcohol for perhaps the first time as well. I think the fact that that will put me off, the, the toilets, I think, is the main thing that puts me off, the toilets and showers and general hygiene and things like that. I don't mind too much camping. Um, like you Ellie we used to go camping when I was younger with my parents and I don't mind that too much putting a tent up and staying in that for a few days and again the weather as well I think is a problem whether it's pouring it down you're covered in mud all the time and if it's too hot you're basically in just one Mm. big sweat box in your tent all the time so yeah I think if it was a European festival, I can't deal with heat anyway, so that would be a bad thing yeah, for me. Yeah,
1: same, same here, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd melt while we were... But um, somewhere like, I remember, All Tomorrow's Parties, which was um, especially a especially curated festival. At the, one of the headline acts would curate the rest of the musicians. Oh, was Dion. it? yeah, in,
2: like, Butlins and stuff.
0: Yeah, that was held at a Butlins and Canberra Sands or, or elsewhere. In, in that, and you'd rent out one of the chalets, and that would be quite nice because you'd have access to your own solid foundations of a building and your own toilet and shower and things like that so I think I could possibly do that but if the lineup Mm. was right but like you I think there's too many other other things that put me off them
1: yeah I went I went to see actually a couple of years ago um at in Hyde Park the radio two party in the park thing which I, I got you know a nice invitation to so you know so it was one of those things where actually you you did you were a bit of a festival wanker so you know so you you did have easy access to a bar and places to sit down and you know, if you didn't want to watch every single act, but but I mean, I can I can I remember it was a beautiful evening and just standing watching madness. friends i mean friends who i worked with for you know 20 odd years um and 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 i just looked around and i thought yeah this this is this is great and i absolutely i love doing that and i went to uh, and, and i could get the tube back easy afterwards <laughs> and, and i went to uh, on blackheath a few years ago as well i've been, if you've, if you've done that festival sort of irish themed festival in finsbury park which i mean that's over 20 years ago before my my was was born um and you know and and it was it was great i mean because i can so all of these things i mean tommy i think i think i could possibly be have my arm twisted but actually i wanted to ask you johnny what are you doing doing a podcast about festivals when you don't like festivals
3: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: i think the only way that you would be able to get me to a festival nowadays it was it his was... <laughs> idea as well though the only way you could get me to a festival nowadays is if I could curate the lineup and guarantee that nobody else but me would be able to go so I think uh, (laughs) that's that's the that's the only way I could rationalize it in my own brain and the only way to do that I'm not blessed with the most amount of money or the best contacts to get Eddie Vedder and Kiss and Pearl Jam and all these people Mm. to come and perform for me so I just have to do it through playlists and podcasts now Mm. yeah well my
1: um my ex-partner used to go to the Monsters of Rock Festival at Donington every year and he's a massive fan of you know White Snake and um, Led Zeppelin and Rainbow and all of those those bands of that era and I've got to say that I was I was never into that sort of music at all you know so in, I, th- I think at that time in the sort of late 70s early 80s you know you had your musical style and you didn't really diverge from it very much. So, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was the police, it was the jam, it was the undertones, it was the specials, you know, that kind of scar era, which I I love madness, which I mentioned before. And my brothers were quite into Rainbow and and Whitesnake. And I just, I thought, this is just the most disgusting. it's so misogynistic because I was you know a very woke 16 year old days. Um, but but actually I went I went a few I went you know then subsequently with with my with my I went to see Whitesnake play at Wembley or somewhere somewhere like that and loved every minute of it because it was just a great show you know and it was really entertaining and the music was great fun and yeah and it was and it's still massively misogynistic. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but, but kind of quite tongue-in-cheek about it. You know, we're obviously very tongue-in-cheek about it. So I went to see yeah.
0: Kiss in on, 2009 on, when I went to see Kiss. They were the first band that I ever absolutely adored because I saw them on TV and their makeup and was like, wow, when I was about 10 or 11. So I went to see them in 2009 and they were in their Gene Simmons and and Paul Stanley are in their 60s and they were still flinging across Manchester Arena on um, zip wires and climbing to the top of the. You know lighting rigs and fire breathing and all this sort of thing and I was like this is exactly how I don't care how old they are you can't tell how old they are because they've got makeup on their face anyway mm-hmm. they're in, <laughs> that they're in was huge the per- armoured outfits. the perfect outfits.
1: style had if they only knew when they were in their 20s that this this face makeup was going to last them another 40 years I mean you know it's <laughs> incredibly prescient of them.
2: Do they do it themselves Johnny?
0: No, I think they have, they, there's, there's photos of when they first started in the 70s of them applying their own makeup, but I think they probably, they can afford, they can definitely afford it, because the whole point of Kiss was just one big marketing machine to make Jean and Paul as much money as they could. They probably have makeup artists mm. now anyway.
1: Mm. Actually, I, re- I remember going a few years ago um, in, what was it, 99, 1999, I went to um, the Super Bowl in Miami. It's the only time I've ever been to the Super Bowl. And of course, the great thing about that is that they have serious bands during the, Pre-shows, halftime shows, and so on, um, and and so and and that, all the build-up to the Super Bowl. If you go as a journalist, it's the best event in the world as a sports journalist because they lay on everything for you. You know, they look after you in in every sense. So there's parties every single night. You know, we went onto this massive cruise ship for a big a big kind of reception one evening as well. But but uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band were one of the halftime um, acts that that particular year. Everybody wants you. Everybody
3: wants you love. I just like to make you mine. own mind. Give,
1: give it up, baby, give it up. And and I just remember going to this this great big kind barbecue cook-off thing. And you know, so again, beautiful Miami. Warm evening. Casey and the Sunshine Band were on. Were, the, we're headlining the main stage. So, so you know, lots of weak American beer, lots of amazing food, <laughs> and and you know, that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. As they say, <laughs> I like it. So it was. Yeah, it was. And baby, given up. It's you know, there's lots of yeah, great, great classic songs.
2: No shame. No no shame. No shame. in that. No, no no shame. If
1: if people are going to give you freebies at a big sporting event, then you going to go along. I bet were they were advantage. they great
2: though? Were they good? <laughs> they were good.
1: They were really, they were really, really good. Actually, yeah, they were. They were. Well, you know, because I think I think a lot of these. I mean, I'm, 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 This is maybe something we'll come on to when it comes to my festival lineup. It's the bands that have kept them going over the years. That you know, you have mixed feelings about. I mean, I think some of them. You just want to say, look, in in the words of the song, give it up. Um, but <laughs> but 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 actually, I think I think they could they could get away with it.
2: Yeah, and that that. Thing is, with bands like that, like um, they're not trying to be cool, and they, no. they, they know they're not cool, so it yeah. I, it doesn't matter. It's just fun for everyone. Mm,
1: um, absolutely, yeah. I think I but, think that was the that was the best music I saw associated with this event. Although I think I'm tr- I was trying to remember whether, whether it was Atlanta or, or Sydney Olympics because it, it makes sense. To be Atlanta, I think it might be Sydney. Um, we saw Gloria Estefan did a show, and that was. And the the Miami Sound Machine, and that was absolutely bonkers. But it was brilliant. I mean, I would never in a million years pay to go and see Gloria Estefan (laughs) under normal circumstances, but I think it was a tenor to go along and, you know, we all went as a big crowd. And it was, again, it was memorable because of the setting. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose that's the thing about the festivals. You know, you you go go to Wembley Arena or you go to the O2 and it's the same sort of experience with different bands, you know, it's the setting is the same every time but if you are in miami at the super bowl or you're in sydney at the olympics and you know that 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 is part of everything that goes with you know it's like having a burger yeah in your your local burger burger joint or having a burger you know in some incredible restaurant in downtown manhattan or something like that The, the, the setting is a lot of what makes so it's always going to screen. taste better,
2: isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. going
1: to taste better, yeah.
2: Um, well, talking of settings, we will uh, we'll ask about where, where yours is going to be, Ellie. What, we, we need the, uh, the name of the festival and the mm. location.
1: Well, I think, I mean, you know, Tommy, obviously you and I are not in total agreement about festivals, but we are in total agreement about the greatest sport in the world, aren't we?
2: We are, cricket, yeah, 100%. Cricket.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and. And I think we, we bonded over an, another podcast uh, called Tail Enders, which Johnny, you know, Tommy's probably banged on about in the past. We're allowed to plug the <laughs> Tail Enders podcast on this podcast. So so it, there's got to be a cricket setting, I think, you know. So yes. I'm thinking that it, we, we're looking at a cricket ground big enough to be able to accommodate a major cricket game and a music festival at the same time. Yeah. So I don't think there's gonna be enough room at Lord's. No. So this is a bit random because I mean there are lots of cricket grounds that I that I love. You know, the Oval is is you know is in the middle of lots of buildings and, and a huge London traffic intersection. So and and this is this feel, this feels a bit weird to be saying this, but I'm gonna say the um the Aegeus Bowl in Southampton. Ah because, nice because it's it's in the it's in a big open area. Yeah. Um um, it's quite difficult to get in and out of, but then I suppose you want, you want a few traffic jams to, to give you that festival experience. It's quite difficult to get to by public transport. So it's, it's kind of got that inconvenient Glastonbury feel to it because you know you're going to sit in traffic for about four hours to get in and get out. Um, but what it's got, it's got a big practice ground right next to the main arena. So you've got, you've got the main ground and then you've got a big field to the side where they play practice games and they, they have been in the build-up to these test matches that we're about to see. So I'm linking it to a test match. So you've got your test match starting on Thursday, and clearly you can't play on the main ground, because that would be terrible, and the, you know the groundsman would not allow you to. You know, you, you imagine how much it would cut up the square, Tom. It would be horrendous.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so, so so you're going to be you're going to be on the on the, the next door on the practice ground with your festival, and. Nice then it's going to build up to the, the start of the start play on, on the first day of the test match. So we were, talk, we were just talking before we, before we started recording about what days you're choosing. And so I'm going yeah. to go for the r- rather random Ivo Graham choice of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Oh, because wow. Test matches start on Thursday. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, traditionally, and it should always start on Thursday, even though they don't always. So, so you've got your three days, of, three days of what we're calling test fest,
2: Ah uh-huh. ha! Um, excellent, excellent.
1: And then, you know, so, so you, you've got your whole week down there um, and you get... So you get tickets three, for both? You get tickets for both. You get three days of music and then five days... Of it's a glorious eight days of cricket and music. Um, and, and I'm thinking that, the main, that even though, you know, you couldn't use the main ground really for very much, you couldn't actually have music on there, but you could maybe do, you could set up some nets. Tommy, so you can kind of get people interested. but yes. You could get, you know, get get some, some net bowlers in there. Um, you could oh,
3: you, get you some of these me. stands you that, that you <laughs> that you
1: see on the nursery ground at Lords, just to test matches. So those those sort of go out, go and try out the game catching, catching um, simulators. Um, yeah. And and you know all of these actually they, they 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 look quite rubbish, don't they? A lot of these these things <laughs> sort of the sponsors. <laughs> the the sponsors games that they
2: set up but you know we could we could think of some better ones no they're fun they're all i think they're good fun but um johnny i don't know about you were you were you you ready for were you did you think ellie was gonna uh have the same as felix then for a second i
1: thought so what did felix say
2: felix is at at the mcg
1: okay
0: and his festival's called boxing day test so his his, (laughs) is (laughs) <laughs> this is the, the five days from bo- when the Boxing Day test would usually be on. I'm more surprised that you went for the Ivo Grey on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I didn't think we would ever see that ever again. I
1: know. It's a bit random. It is a bit random. I, I think it's, it's probably implying as well that I'm putting the test match, you know, I'm giving the test match prime importance. Yeah, good. The
2: well, the right, right, Well,
0: rightly so, in my opinion. Have you ever been to a, a, a gig or anything at a cricket ground? Because I know Old Trafford you know between where me and tommy both live is Mm. is has them pretty much every summer um has some sort of music events on have you ever been to one at a a cricket ground
1: no i haven't actually that's that's very true actually because i I suppose what so what do they do at old trafford do they do they cover do they put a sprung floor over the over the the outfield? yeah basically they they
2: cover they cover the outfield Mm. yeah with with um like a a, like a plastic a massive plastic sheet basically Mm. um and then the stage would be, oh, so the stage goes where, I was talking to someone about this recently, obviously. so one of the reasons they have that temporary stand at Old Trafford is so that they can do this, like, so mm. easily, mm. Um, so they, they bring back the temporary stand and they put a stage there, basically, but mm. I've been to a lot of gigs there, it's really, I've seen Radiohead, Liam Gallagher, uh, Active Monkeys, it's mm.
1: great, they great place stream. The... The One Love Manchester gig was there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Ariana Grande thing. After the bombings, yeah. Yeah, no, and and that's and that's very true. You you know you you can actually you could you could in fact use you know look sorry right. I'm changing my mind. We're using the ground. It doesn't matter. <laughs> starting on Thursday. So presumably you could you could actually erect. I mean, if you could erect the stage. I mean, I don't know very much about how grass grows and how you need to protect um, the square. And and I'm, and I'm, 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 there are going to be groundsmen. If, if there is this the Venn diagram of groundsmen and people who listen to podcasts about music festivals. The people who are in the middle of that Venn, Venn diagram are shouting me now and say, oh, no, 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 you're going to kill
3: the glass if you do that.
1: But, but all you two could, of them. All two of them. But you could presumably have some kind of elevated staging area over the square if yeah. it was big enough. And, and, and then yeah. you're still getting, you're still getting um, air coming underneath. You know, you, you, you maybe have to have, I don't know, solar lamps over it so that it doesn't die because of the dark. But it's still, it's still getting ventilation through it. I don't know, you know. Might make might a bit that. of a mess of the outfield, though.
2: <laughs> I love that we've gone into... Uh, I never thought we'd get into this, uh, like, the techniques of grass.
1: Yeah, oh, ca- very important. Care. Horticulture, yeah, it's it's a key part of cricket and <laughs> music festivals. <laughs> but you, can, you definitely um, couldn't have camping on the outfield.
2: No. Well, do, do, do they do... Do they do gigs at the uh at the AGS bowl I'm
1: sure they do, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do i think I think you're right, i think I think most cricket grounds because it's you know if you if you they're expensive things to run if you haven't got other events going on during the year so so i I, I bet you know if I looked up they there will probably be yeah gigs happening well, we're not allowed gigs now, are we We can play cricket behind closed doors, but we we're not allowed to allow to have gigs for the time being but
2: well let's let's go on to the uh I can't believe I'm saying this again, the, the Monday, the first day of the festival. The,
1: the Monday, first day of yes, the Test Fest. First day of the Test Fest. Um, well, I think you've got to, you've got to go, you've got to go big. You've got to go big, and, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because I've got two very definite bands, and you'll know why one of them I'm, I'm keeping back to, to the, the big Wednesday, you know, the big Eve of the Test. Um, <laughs> but I think actually, you know, this is probably as big a band. I'm, I'm going to go to the Fleetwood Mac. Did my favourite ever album in some ways, actually. Well, the album certainly that I've kind of gone back to and, and rediscovered, or just kind of listened to all throughout, you know, time that I, 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 the moment it came out, came out, which, of course, is rumours. Um, every single song on that is a complete masterpiece, I think, yeah. and. and for years, and of course, the thing, the thing about Rumours is that it was written at a time where they were all breaking up with each other. You know, all the relationships were breaking up and they were all falling out and they all hated each other most of the time that they were recording it. But they produced this extraordinary piece of work with every song is heartbreakingly, brilliantly beautiful. Um, and it's one of those that I introduced my kids to when they were about the same age as I was when it first came out, so in my teens. Um, and we went to see Fleetwood Mac, at the O2 about four or five years ago, in one of those brief moments when they were all back together, the original lineup were together. So,
3: uh, so yeah.
1: Stevie, Stevie Nicks was talking to Lindsay Buckingham, John and Christine McVeigh could be on the same stage together, you know, Mick Fleetwood sat at the back and did his, his thing as usual. And it was just absolutely spine tingling, spine tingling. And they, the first track they played was, um, was The Chain. <laughs> which, you know, of course we all, we all know from Formula One over the years. But at the very start, when it starts off, you know, and you just hear the bass line coming in, I, it was so moving. I started to cry, you know, and I never thought I would say that, but it was just kind right. of, took me back to buying the album and listening to it and listening to it at all these different stages of my life. And The Chain isn't, isn't by any means my favourite track on the album. Um, so, yeah, that's, so, so, the, but, but you know, the, the, it's not just about rumors, and they have to play rumors in, in their entirety, obviously, and uh, its entirety. But, but you know, a lot of the other, "Tango in the Night," that, the, the, you know, the early stuff as well. If you could kind of go back to the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac, um,
3: yeah,
1: you know, which is I'm also amazing, which is also fantastic. Yeah. So, so probably so Fleetwood Mac are my are my day one headliners.
2: Great show. I, 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 um, I read something which, I mean, I. I can't say if it's true or not. And you, you hear a lot of, there's a lot of kind of myth and legend around albums as kind of epic and as culturally impactful as, as rumours. But, um, I read that they tried to, they wanted to, on the thank you notes of the album, they wanted to thank their cocaine dealer <laughs> but the record, but the record label, the record label obviously wouldn't let them because I think they spent, they spent something like a million dollars of the record labels money on the on cocaine
3: yeah <laughs>
0: the, the <laughs> chain's <laughs> the chain's one of those weird songs i think there's a, there's there's obviously a few but it sounds like and i don't know if it was about four songs that they'd part written just merged mm, yeah. into one mm. and it's just like one of the only other examples i can think of that i wouldn't even dream of putting on the same level as as the chain is take me out by franz ferdinand off as one song and then completely changes into a second song part it's way through
1: yes yeah, so kind of, bohemian it's just, it's rhapsody. Sort of song... oh yeah well yes that, sorry yeah. what were you saying ellie yes you, you could say you could just throw bohemian rhapsody in at any point <laughs> <and> just, <laughs> just sort of say it randomly but yeah you, uh, you, you're, you're right take me out you hear the start of that you hear the intro to that and you completely forget where it's going to go and you think oh yeah that's what that's what this song is so yeah
0: yeah, but the the chain as well, mm. like you say, is just so interlinked with Formula One. Mm. Um I think it's imagine writing a song of an album as good as rumours and then I guess it's a bit like what's it called? Calypso, the test match special intro. Soul
1: Limbo. Soul. Yeah, Soul Limbo, yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah.
0: like imagine writing such an iconic song and then sort of having that stolen off you partly by cricket or by formula one Mm -hmm. or by something else
1: but Um, they still stand up as great songs that's the thing or great great tracks um in the case of soul limbo don't they you know you could still you still hear it and obviously it's got that strong association with cricket but it's not or or, you know the chain with formula one but when i listen to rumors i don't immediately think about murray walker screaming over the country (laughs) of damon hill Um, (laughs) See <laughs> so
2: the thing is, I I I agree with the with the chain. And I think now I'm thinking about it, it's only because of when I first heard them. But yeah, the chain I could listen to separately and not think of Formula One. Whereas Soul Limbo, I think I first heard that with associate with cricket. And I think I heard I listened to probably listened to the chain and my mum and dad probably had rumors on when I was younger. So I don't have that association as much. Whereas Soul Limbo is just straight away is, cricket every time with the chain you
0: said like when you when they first started playing it you were moved to to tears um does that happen has that happened often when you've been to see live music is there a lot of bands and, and songs that have particularly moved you in that way
1: um oh, i can't think now actually i think i mean, i think music has that power to to move you know because of because of just the association that it gives you with where you've been when you when you've been listening to it, to it in the past and you know times in your life um and and I suppose you know rumors has that strong association with <clears throat> that that growing up time in my life and, and then introducing it to my my kids because you know one of the things I'm proudest of is that actually you know and, and, and their dad did this as well is to introducing the my daughters to to music and getting them to love it and have a really eclectic range of musical tastes and i you know i was, I was saying before that <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> you know back in the back in the late 70s you only you could only really like one genre of music you know you you read nme or you read sounds you know you you didn't you didn't tend to cross over a great deal you know you didn't didn't sort of have a have read a rock magazine and a magazine that talked about punk and new wave um whereas they they love whole ranges of music you know they they love you know soul music and Motown and, you know, and, and they love 80s um, disco, you know, 70s and 80s disco um, and, 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 all, and a whole range of, new, and they've introduced me to neo music as well over the years. So, so, that's, so that's really good. So yeah, I don't know, so to, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there have been undoubtedly times when I've heard tracks played, which take me, take me back. And I went to, went to an amazing gig that Elvis Costello did at Hammersmith Apollo a few years ago. And it was just fantastic because, you know, he played such a range of music from across the years, you know, going all the way back to um, this year's model and which I've I've got in my vinyl collection and Oliver's, you know, Oliver's Army on, um, uh, you know, that's not this year's model, I can't remember, what's what's it on, I feel like I need to go and get it now.
2: Would um, would you would you have any of those, uh, maybe as support for Fleetwood Mac? Would you yeah, have any I might of those do actually. Bands?
1: I suppose I, I suppose that's the thing that would that would mean because so you know so so to move on from Fleetwood Mac, the, the kind of then I I feel as if because I feel as if Fleetwood Mac is still doing amazing music and they can still absolutely be themselves, be unembarrassed about what they've done in the past, and still put on an incredible show. I think some of these other bands who, who were are young and edgy. I mean because Fleetwood Mac were never really young and edgy at any stage in their career, but but I I, I can't imagine going to see the undertones, <laughs> even if they ever did perform together again. Um, I don't know what the, the state of play in their relationship is. Because the Boomtown Rats have have, have put a have done a new album, haven't they? I was, I watched the documentary about them a, right. a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I just think you know yeah, Bob Geldof was was angry and young, and Johnny Fingers was angry and young, and they just just doesn't seem authentic. doesn't seem authentic now, really. So 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 you know, I, in a way, I would like to see those bands, but going back to how they you were. At the time,
2: you could have that. I think we've got the budget for that. haven't
0: we, Johnny? Yeah, yeah we've got the time machine. So yes, yeah, so we've oh, we we got a time, time machine. To, okay,
1: all right. Well, we could. Well, we could do that. So I, th- I think I think maybe you know maybe the Undertones, circa yes. nineteen seventy nine.
0: Have you seen the film Good Vibrations? That's the film um, it's set about, it's about basically not specifically about the undertones, but it's about the record label that they first signed to when they were in Northern Ireland and the troubles that uh, they had um, in the punk scene in Northern Ireland. It's a really, really good film. Really? I
1: would, yeah, I would definitely seek that out, actually. Because I remember Stiff Little Fingers being one of the bands at the time as well, who you know, I, yes. I loved yeah. and was well, John, one of John Peel's favourites
0: yeah it covers john, john how john mm. peel discovered them and how the the owner of this record label um basically traveled over to to london to make sure that john peel got hold of um teenage kicks mm. and about all the other bands that were around at the time and how much trouble this record shop and record label had opening up in in ireland northern ireland and how it how difficult it was for them to tour going over mm. the border and things like that it's really it's like it's like a, obviously it's a, there's a bit of comedy in there as well but like at some points it's just shocking about how difficult it was for those bands at that time uh, over in in ireland as well so
1: it sounds really good actually in fact the, the boomtown rats documentary was quite interesting as well but i mean they, that talked about the fact that you know dublin was a very very well obviously catholic conservative place and and you know at a time when actually in the uk or, or in, in England and, and, you know, the rest of, and probably Northern Ireland to an extent as well, the music scene was surging forward with punk. You know, Ireland was still very much, Republic you know, of Ireland was still very much stuck in a previous era, you know, hadn't moved on. And so the Boomtown Rats were, you know, a massive shock to the system for everybody over there. Yeah. And, you know, Bob Geldof. The
2: thing is, I, I-
1: did rip everyone apart.
2: I don't, um... I, top of my head the only song i could think of those uh, is uh, Mom, uh, tell me why i don't like don't like, don't like mondays Boontime Rats for me is just it's just Bob Geldof really, mm. and it's just like live. Aid, but I feel like that that's almost tainted it for some people. Like it's not as they're not seen as kind of cool as they probably were at the time. Like yeah. I, I, you know, I say I say this. I, I should I should give them a listen because I love the Undertones and I know my mom loved the Boontime Rats as, as well as mm. the Undertones. But there's just that kind of Geldof thing wall to kind of get past.
1: Which is extraordinary, isn't it? When you think about what he did, putting on Live Aid. I mean, he drove oh, yeah. that forward. He was he was an extraordinarily forceful personality, and you know the energy that he put into Band Aid. Um, I remember I remember. Do they know it's Christmas coming out as one of my my first job in local radio was, I was you know that was the first Christmas that I was working, and just you know thinking oh, so this is a great song and and the fact that he could then pull everyone together to do Live Aid and yeah and the Boomtown Rats were. Past their best, obviously. In past their, you know, their 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 kind of little brief moment of being kind of quite trendy and cutting edge, but right. you know, you couldn't you couldn't have Live Aid without Bob's Band playing. You know, no. that would really yeah. have been, you know, highly unfair on on him. But but yes, I, I think you're I think you're right. But 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 I mean, actually, Rat Trap is one of the few um, singles I can remember buying on the day it came out. Really? So yeah, so so and and I've still got that. I'm not going to go and try and find it but still <laughs> with with the <a> picture sleeve <laughs> sitting in the same car that I couldn't find uh, uh Armed Forces.
2: Yeah, I reckon your daughters have got them.
1: Yeah, from, well I hope. Well, that would make me happy if they did.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: should, should we move on to Tuesday at, at Test Fest? Okay. T- well, Tuesday
1: he's... Test Fest. Well, this this is this is kind of down. This is sort of me going through the, the what we've almost slightly discussed, which is. Bands that were great in the time that I was really into, into music for the first time. Um, and I never saw it at the time. So it's between two, actually. And you you can maybe help me help me decide which, which would be most likely That's to, what to for. get on. Yeah. Um, so it's between the jam and the police. Oof. Because I loved I, mean... I loved the jam. And I again I've probably got more jam albums than than anything else. And, and Paul Weller, of course, has gone on to do so many different things. And he's reinvented yeah. himself so many times. Incredible. I was reading a, an interview with him the other day, actually. Um, and he is, he is still the mod father. Um, yeah. but, but they were so, uh, you know, they were, again, so angry and of their time, uh, you know, going through that, that era. Um, he was a kid as well, wasn't it. It? he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Well, they, they all were. They were all, you know, slightly geeky kids from... Surrey, you know, from like, I can't remember which bit of Surrey he was from, but, but somewhere kind of quite, you know, not, not terribly not terribly edgy, but they were they were just such a good tight band, and they wrote such amazing songs, and the B sides were fantastic as well as the as well as the A sides. So so the, so I loved the Jam, but I love the Police as well. But then they just did go slightly, you know, the Jam never really lost it. I think the Jam finished at the right time, and, and well, I went yeah. off and formed the Star Council. Um, but the the police did sort of go through quite a, you know, they, they became very, very sort of lame period. They went through quite a lame period and, and, you know, and sting, I mean, you know, what a performer and great Incredible. singer and great songwriter, but, um, yeah, I, I, I if they to I mean, they did, they did do some gigs, I think not that long ago. And I think something stopped me from wanting to go and see them. So it would probably have to be the police in the, outland or Stonewall, regatta de blanc kind of first two albums period yeah. yeah or the jam but but the jam when they were still really lean and mean and could fit into those incredibly tight
3: trousers <laughs> <laughs> That they love and who love them forever. The like gray's 30 steps Repeat my own and reflect my thoughts. Cold and uninviting, partially naked, with some more taffy rappers and the smallest papers. Mr. Jones got run down. Headlines of death and sorrow. They tear of tomorrow. Madmen and the rampage.
1: You know, in, in a way, you, you know, you, I mean, we all age. I mean, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but, but you know, we, we do all age. Like, Tommy, I was saying to you on the phone that I went to see the specials a few years ago, again, probably in Hammersmith. Um, and, and there was, you know, there's still, because the songs were, were still great and they were a really great band to watch. Um, and they didn't seem to have aged in a way because the music was still as powerful as ever. But the audience, you know, were probably, they, they, were, they were all these blokes who, when they went to see them in 1978, were, were skinheads by choice. <coughs> and now they were skinheads by default, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, gonna
2: be, that's gonna be me one day. Oh <laughs> yes. God. What, watching, uh, watching Arctic Monkeys when I'm fifteen yeah. and old. <laughs> trying to drink a dark fruits people <laughs> yeah. really
0: i think the police possibly suffer from the same as what we touched on with with the boomtown rats and with bob geldoff that sting and the, the cringe period or what you want to call it mm. perhaps they're not looked upon as kindly because sting's now associated with sort of middle of the road mm. rock music and and more watered down stuff whereas what he really was when the police first started and that those you think of like the greatest hits of, of the police and there's some amazing singles, pop singles and, and, you know, sort of like reggae ish stuff that's there. It's absolutely. just still fantastic and still holds up today. And I suppose the same with the jam more on the post punky punk side of mm. Eaton Rifles and Town Called Malice and stuff like that. still absolutely brilliant now, but maybe they called it a day when it was the right time to the call right it time. a day.
1: Yeah. I think probably that was well, a, I, I, I suspect, I mean, I've heard, I've seen interviews with the other guys in the band in the past and they, obviously still resent the fact that Weller walked away from it, Um, you know, or whether it was entirely him, I'm not sure, but, but they would have happily carried on and, and Weller was ready to go off and do his own thing. He's
2: he, like, yeah, he, he, he's almost in a way, I think Paul Weller is almost underrated because, uh even though he's very highly rated, but like he, he's, you know, people probably wouldn't put him in the same bracket as Bowie, for instance. But hmm. for me, like what, what he did with, uh, I was always, when I was, especially when I was younger, because again, going back to my mom, one of her favorite bands, The Jam. She kind of brought us up on them, and my brother became a bit of a mod for a while, which he kind of cringes looking back on, like he's two years younger than me. But yeah, he tried to, he tried to bring back being a mod, and it, it didn't really happen. But um, he, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was never into the Style Council, and my mom was like, "Trust me, but, like you'll like them." But the older I've got, I kind of lean more towards. towards them, actually, Mm. like, and I never thought I'd kind of say that, but um, yeah, like you say, the jam, they're only together for what like three years, like three, four years, something like that,
1: yeah. But I suppose that that era, that kind of you know, immediate post punk era was very short. I mean, it was it was that it was kind of that bridging thing between punk and then and then the new romantics that came out around in the in the early 80s. So, so in that sort of brief, brief time, they they I think they nailed it, they were the they were the kings of of that of that genre i think so i'm going i'm going
0: i'm going the jam yeah i would agree with you in that
1: instance
3: yeah
0: paul well is one of those i think there's probably very few but there's probably more than i I can probably think of musicians that have gone to have two quite successful bands in the jam and the style council and then his own Mm. solo work as well there's it's Hard to reinvent yourself as part of another music project in, in the same way if you've already had some level of success. I think, of course, yeah,
1: mm, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, what was what was the the solo album that he had had out in the night in the mid nineties that you know, uh, the that, one that, that um, Stanley which, Road, Changing Man, is Stanley Road, yeah. yeah. She was one of one of those albums that we I played to death. It was you know sort of classic. You go to somebody's house, and it was you know it was oh, well I mean Sharday and that, actually Charday was a bit earlier than that. It was really kind of actually wasn't Naff at all. She was a great artist, but yeah, but it was yeah. on those albums yeah. that you just got sick from from repetition. But you know the Changing Man we put on a lot. You know, and I've I've still got that as well on the shelf on the shelf somewhere. So,
2: well he he had. That, yeah, that was kind of his, his almost his third uh, rejuvenation with
1: because
2: uh, mm. he kind of I mean I, correct me if I'm wrong but like he he kind of became like relevant again during the mm. Britpop period didn't he? It he was like yeah he did
1: but, yeah well, and, and like, yeah and that's that quite the thing actually because um you know so so you know you're right because when Stanley Road came out it was around that Britpop time and I wasn't I was never really into into pop in quite the same way, because um, I think actually also I, I, I had, I, I worked for three years at Newsbeat on Radio One in the, in the sort of late 80s, 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 to and I've watched some of the Top of the Pops that have been on, you know, they're kind of, you know, the, the Pops repeats are around that sort of era at the moment, and I was watching it the other day and I was thinking, oh, that was some real rubbish. Around in the charts in those <laughs> days, and I'm trying to remember who the big bands because we used to get bands in all the time. So, so it was Pete, it was Ross for were the kind of the main ones. But I mean, take that have started out as well. So, it was not a classic time, but there were a lot of, you know, one-hit wonders. And, and when they came in, and it was the ones that were that really thought that they were something special. And you thought, yeah, your song's not that great, and you're not going to have <laughs> more than five minutes because actually you're a prat. So,
0: <laughs> um, watching that Bross documentary some of them haven't grown quite grown out of that yet either no
1: no it's just one of the
0: finest pieces of musical filmmaking I think they the people that made Spinal Tap would probably struggle to make something on that level
1: I um, know I know it's lack of self-awareness it's just was just absolutely classic but uh, but yeah so, so 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 I suppose Britpop happened you know when I was in kind of comfortable going to people's houses and having dinner parties Stage in the mid nineteen nineties, you know. So, so again, I was, I did not have my finger on the pulse of Britpop particularly, but you know, still. But well, I did. did. Yeah, well, I did. And yeah, I, I think I might even put put um, Stanley Road on this evening just to kind of remind myself what a good album it is.
0: If the if the jam were headlining, would you would you want Paul Weller to play any of his solo stuff or any Style Council stuff along with it, or would you just want a pure? Set no, from the jam? I think.
1: I think we're putting I think we're putting them in the time capsule again, aren't we? We're we we are, you know, nice. um, it We we are taking them back to that late seventies time. So so Star Council they doesn't s- feature.
2: They still um, <laughs> they still tour, don't they? Luke, they
1: do, I think. Yeah, I think they do. But I think it's that's like again, again, that's that's sort of. So, so what what do they call themselves?
2: I think
3: it's
1: from something the like job.
2: Like,
0: oh, that's
1: it. ah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I think I think it's that, you know, you don't actually you don't want to have your memories spoiled. And that's never gonna happen.
2: Good. Because okay. they're never gonna yeah. they're never
1: gonna perform again as the jam.
2: No. Cool. Right. Okay. Let's go on to the final day, uh, Wednesday, uh, of Task Fest. Who's your headliner, Ellie?
1: The Beatles. Hey. <laughs> And I think one of the interesting things about that is that actually it would be a completely new experience. I mean, it sounds weird to say it, you know, the biggest biggest band in the history of popular music. But you think of when they stopped touring, they were quite early in their career because, you know, they, they just couldn't play live gigs anymore because of the screaming. You know, they couldn't, yeah. in the days before proper know proper in ear amplification and that sort of thing. You know, they, they could not play their instruments. So they stopped touring in what 64, 65?
2: 65, 66. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um and and so all the albums that they released after that, they never toured, you know, apart from the, the gig on the roof of Apple Headquarters in, yeah. you know, in what whatever it was six in 1970. Um so all of those albums, you know, so Sergeant Pepper and um, you know, the, the White Album. Abbey Road. I imagine, Abbey Road, well, you know, Abbey Road is one of my, again, my all-time favorite Revolver. albums. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Revolver, and, and you know, all of these albums were never performed live in that way. I wonder whether, you know, the audience, and again, clearly we, we are we are talking fantasy in, in the sense that two of them are dead sadly dead. But <laughs> yeah. um but but that actually it was something that nobody would ever have experienced. But you know, but every single you know if I if I listened, if I could listen to one band and and nobody else the rest of my life, then you'd choose the Beatles, wouldn't you? Because they fall for yeah, every I would. single. They tick every single box.
2: I I what well, I found it quite interested that we because when we started this, um, we were going to have a a thing called the what was it John like the Beatles bell or Beatles buzzer? The Beatles buzzer for whenever anyone picked the Beatles
0: because we thought that they'd be picked so often. We assumed they'd be mm. picked all the time, mm. and I think
1: is Ellie the first?
0: Ellie's the first to pick the Beatles. There we
1: yeah. are. There's nothing wrong with you... being obvious. No, not all.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, I think we, the Beatles are obviously, when I was saying before about Paul Weller being able to re, um, redesign his his whole outlook and outfit and musical style, the Beatles were obviously the, the forerunners of going through different stages of their own band and Paul, sorry. And Paul McCartney was the, the one where you think of someone that's made huge successes of, of two different bands with the Beatles and Wings. Mm. I think the, the, the level that the Beatles set for every band that came after them is almost impossible for anybody else to have ever hit the longevity and the, the influence that they've had over pretty much, like just listen to Oasis and you can still hear the, yeah. the influence that the Beatles were still having oh, yeah. by the nineties. And you look at the influence that Oasis still have over music now, that all stems back. If you look up the family tree, like we're on an episode of who
2: do you think you are? That all stems back to the Beatles. So they're just, yeah, and it's and it's it's also it's culture as well, isn't it? As much senior. It's not it's not just the music, oh, yeah. like the way they impacted I mean, I'm a thirty year old man with uh, you know, I've got them on my wall there, like wow. <laughs> yes. So,
3: that's
2: I think that's from the White Album vinyl, but um I think it was it was my nan who got me into them, but I mean obviously everyone's into them, but again, like it was the older i got and then you because when you're younger i I remember we had like that beatles number one album on on in the car all the time so that's kind of you just you think the beatles i thought the beatles was just that you know like help and i want to hold your hand and stuff but then when i got older when i was like 15 16 and proper like getting into music and getting into the velvet underground and stuff that's when i discovered this sort of period you're talking about which for me is like the glory is the beatles really
1: Mm, absolutely but but i think every every period of the beatles output was was a glory period in a way because they just they took music pop music in, in the early 60s and reinvented it with every single album you know they just completely changed themselves totally and they had played they played 1400 gigs in four years
2: oh my god you know
1: which is what? incredible <laughs> so no, so no wonder they were no wonder they were i mean and, and you think that, that that pressure of performing live so much but still recreating themselves you know and and changing it with every single album was so completely different from from the one before you know so as you say you know revolver was was completely different from rubber soul and rubber soul was completely different from help and you know and everything just just changing and moving on every single time
2: which is your well, two questions actually. What's mm. your favorite kind of period and album? And then who's your favorite Beatle?
1: Wow. That's the that is the hardest question to answer, isn't it? Because because you know, <laughs> you I could say different people in different eras on different days, you know. Yeah. So and, and different moods. So um so actually we've we've got the we've I think we've got the Beatles number one album in, in the car as well. And I was listening to it the other day, and you just you know, you can you sing along to every single song and you know the harmonies on every single song. So they're, those just the number ones are ingrained in every fibre of your being, you know. So you just listen to, you know, Eleanor Rigby and you think, and I wasn't named yeah. after Eleanor Rigby because my parents were not nearly that, that you know, <laughs> so aware culturally or, or certainly not, not a pop music.
3: Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in a church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window Wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door Who is it for? All the lonely people Where do they all come from? All the lonely people Where do they all belong?
1: Father, um, but, I mean, I, I love so many of the... I love Rubber Soul as an album. Um, Revolver, I think, is, is actually probably quite a, you know, less celebrated album in, in, in lots of ways, but it's got, I mean, you, you go back to the jam, you think of Taxman. Taxman, yeah. the riff on Taxman is exactly the same as the riff on Start. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, So, the, uh, so, so they they nicked the bass. Do 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 do. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Is that is that same riff? So, um, I'm I'm not the. I, I mean, this is almost sacrilege to say it. I'm not the biggest Sergeant Pepper fan in the world. No. I, 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 can, say, I, I can see it's a brilliant, brilliant album, um, but it was.
2: It's overrated. I think it's overrated in yeah. terms of like that. There was a, there was quite, quite a lot of
1: quite a lot of George Harrison Indian. I'm not, I won't say self-indulgence, but you know, it was, he was very into his mysticism at the time, and that's not necessarily my—it wasn't yeah. my, my taste particularly. But um, the—I yeah, mean, Abbey Road was was one of the first albums I I ever got. I got it for my sixteenth birthday, actually. So uh, you know, and I wasn't—that that wasn't when it came out. You know, this was—I mean, like most people of your generation, of my generation, you know, we discovered the Beatles after they'd finished recording. So I don't yeah. remember, I don't remember the Beatles ever recording new music, but I just remember every single album as I discovered it, as if it was new music and discovering it with that same sense of excitement. So, yeah. you know, I, I think, and, and again, Let It Be, I, I, I don't, I wasn't a big fan of the stripped down version of Let It Be. And I know that when, because Paul, Paul McCartney was keen, wasn't he, to get rid of the Phil Spector <laughs> um, Let It Be, which was, with all the lush orchestrations and the, and the core and the choirs and so on. Um, and, and they did a strip, he, he released a stripped back version. Let it be back naked. To the original, let it be naked. And, yeah. and I, and I, I listened to that and thought, yeah, this is, this is great. And I can see why he's doing that. But actually I love, you know, you, you kind of get used to the Phil the Spector lushness a bit on that album. So, so yes, it's, um, it's it's got to be it's got to be the Beatles and I and I and I, but I don't ask me what the track listing would be because I think it would you could you <laughs> don't, you you wouldn't need a support band would you actually you'd just have the Beatles for the god whole no. afternoon and evening
2: oh god that would be like just thinking about it I I mean I I think I've told you this already but when I when I saw uh maybe I didn't but I've uh, monkeys at Old Trafford and at the cricket ground and uh, there was a Japanese Japanese Beetle support band on called the Parrots because Arctic Monkeys had seen them at a um, I think they had Oasis had them years earlier as well but Arctic Monkeys had seen them at a karaoke bar in Japan like when they were when they were hammered or whatever, at some silly point in the night and they were like they sound exactly like the Beatles and got them to support them on tour basically they <laughs> so gotten them to play in, in yeah in front of. And that's the closest I'll probably ever come to seeing the Beatles, but mm. I must, I must say, they sounded, they did sound exactly like them. It was so weird.
1: I, I remember seeing um, uh, McCartney did a, uh, a, a kind of a showcase gig. I'm sure, actually, I, I, have, I kind of have a memory of it being at the Radio Theatre and Broadcasting House, but I can't remember. It would have, can't have thought it would. Have been on, on such a small stage, but, but it was certainly a kind of a, a smallish showcase show for, for one of his solo albums about when I was working at Newsbeat. So, you know, this is kind of say, 25 years ago. Um, but I remember around that time, I was just walking into the, I don't know if you've ever been into the old broadcasting house in Portland yeah. Place. And you, you walk into the the old reception area and there used to be these doors which opened out you know they kind of pushed out like like you're working, walking into an old style saloon and i was walking into the building and the doors just flew open and paul mccartney just came in the other direction and you know and he had people on either side of him so he'd obviously been doing something on, on radio two or radio one and and i just remember doing that a massive double take and thinking Oh my God! It's Paul McCartney, and he must be so used to his whole life. People going, "Oh my God!" It's Paul McCartney that he just waved and said, "Hiya, how are you?" You know, and walked <laughs> fast because <laughs> I just almost <laughs> looked completely bemused that Paul McCartney, and Paul McCartney. Yeah.
0: Is it the real Paul McCartney though? That's the big. That's the big question. Oh wow! <laughs> do,
1: do you think he has lots of lots of avatars? Well, there's a
0: conspiracy theory that he. Um... Because he wore no shoes on one of the album covers. Ab- Abbey yeah, Road. Yeah. Paul's, he's Paul's no dead. longer with us.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm, yeah. and wow. There's some
2: some subliminal. Uh, there's a lot of subliminal messages. I, I mean, I I think, I think they just. I think they knew that what they were doing. I think they were just taking mm. the piss. They're probably just having a laugh. My my granddad's got. A, I got a great Paul McCartney story from my granddad. He 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 saw him. Him and my Nan saw him in, uh, in London and my nan's a massive Beatles fan, and she was too nervous to speak to him, <laughs> so my granddad went over and asked for his for his autograph for his wife, and like, they're, you know, quite a young couple at the time, and uh Paul McCartney said, oh, no, sorry mate, like, just, you know, if I if I give you an autograph, then I'm going to catch everyone's attention, everyone's going to surround me, and he's like, you, you're kidding, he's like, you won't, Fucking give my wife an autograph, and he's like, "Yeah, sorry, sorry." Like tried to walk off. <laughs> I mean, my granddad. My, then my granddad just goes, "Hey, everyone, it's Paul McCartney."
3: Oh no, no, no! <laughs> oh, Which is such like.
2: I mean, I was, I was kind of was on my granddad's side of, of that when I was told that when I was younger. I mean, mm-hmm. saying it out loud now, I'm just like, I'm kind of thinking like. Oh, there's a bit of a dick move there, Grandad. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: But can you imagine living with that level of fame your whole life?
2: Oh God, you know? no, it's insane.
1: It's, um, I mean, it's amazing that McCartney's still out there performing in lots of ways. I mean, because he I'm guessing, he doesn't need the money. But you know, but again, yeah. going going back to the bands that knew when to stop, I think they they yeah. knew they knew when to stop, didn't they? I mean, you know, it's from 1970 after eight extraordinary years and that's the that's the amazing thing 1962 to 1970 the body of work that they produced in that time and the, and the way they changed music they'll never be another band as influential as them ever again no. i don't think
0: no. i do wonder with um now we're in the age of bands reforming especially iconic huge ones whether if um George and John were still around and they had that carrot dangled in front of them, whether mm. they'd have ever been tempted to to reform to like you say, Why they want, you the royalties that they get from the music and, and the album sales that they still get merchandise sales, they never need the money anyway. So it's whether they love the music and could put up with each other to that extent
1: mm. that they'd
2: want to reform, I
1: suppose. But we'll never know.
2: It, yeah. No, I I think it would be down pretty much down to John, I think. I think mm. I feel like I feel I feel like George would, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm being very kind of looking at them in the, as the cliches that they are, but I feel like George's quite passive and he said, Yeah, sound, I'll do it. And, <laughs> uh, uh, whereas John was a bit more stubborn, wasn't he? And uh, it, it would depend on how him and Paul are getting on. I, I would have
1: yes, well, he might have, you know, time is a great healer and, you know, they've, they've undoubtedly mellowed. It, it, you know, or, or you suspect that I think even John Lennon had mellowed quite a lot before yeah. he died. You know, he did an interview it with Andy Peebles. Like, it seems extraordinary. Yeah. Kind of, oh, Radio on DJ. Just not long before he died, he did an interview with him, which made it sound as if that he was, you know, he, he would probably have thought about doing something, with, you know, working together with, with the others again. But
2: yeah, Surely they played, yeah. But in a way, they'd the fact sure, that it, it could never have story.
1: happened... Yeah, I mean the fact that it could never have happened, I think, makes it even more poignant yeah. and fascinating in some ways.
0: Ringo didn't need the money because he's riding that uh, Thomas the Tank Engine gravy train. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't.
0: He doesn't need that money.
1: It's a literal gravy train.
0: <laughs> but they'll, they'll definitely play. Even if they've never reformed, they'll definitely be playing Test Fest on that epic Wednesday night in Southampton.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and then England have got to come out the next day and perform and somehow top ben top stokes that. has got to top <laughs> the beatles
0: <laughs> if which, there's one man that can do it it's ben yeah, it's probably Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, which i know you said you didn't want to press on the, the set list but which song would you like to see them play out the whole festival with
2: <sighs> yeah final song of
0: well
1: final like. song i mean the thing is that, that it's probably going to be there's probably going to be pressure from other people for it to be hey jude or all you need is love and i think if you. And and I would and and neither of those are my are my favourite Beatles songs particularly. you know, if I was doing my top 20 Beatles songs, they might feature. But but I think it would probably be. Well, I kind of think I think it might it might be All You Need Is Love, and yeah. then everyone goes mad, and then at the end, McCartney comes on, sits at the piano, and sings Blackbird.
3: singing in the dead of night take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life you were only waiting for this moment to arise
2: oh lovely yeah i like that a lot um
1: and everyone goes off into the night feeling calm, happy, and ready for five days of chess cricket.
2: I think, yeah, <laughs> then that, that England gets skittled the next
1: morning yes.
2: before lunch. <laughs> uh, Tommy, do you want to run through the,
0: the running order for Test Fest?
2: Yeah, so we've got Ellie uh, Oldroy's Test Fest at the Aegeus Bowl. Uh, it's a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which we never thought we'd say again. But uh, <laughs> headline on Monday is Fleetwood Mac, uh, possibly supported by The Undertones, Tuesday, we've got the Jam who just hedged out the police. And Wednesday, we've got the Beatles doing the best of the Beatles.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All day. Um,
2: yeah. Uh, uh, Ellie Oldroyd, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on your first. Oh, it's been a Thank you very fun. much.
1: Take care.
0: That was episode 12 of Your Fest with Ellie Aldroyd. A fantastic lineup as ever. Ellie has a real in-depth knowledge of music along with cricket, which is, again, evidenced by that episode. And I think Tommy particularly really enjoyed the fact that we were off to another cricket ground after Felix took us to Melbourne. Not quite as exotic this time to Southampton, but still something to look forward to there. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow ellie on twitter at ellie oldroid you can follow your fest on twitter and instagram at your fest podcast you can follow me on twitter but don't follow me on instagram at johnny gabriel and you can follow tommy on twitter and instagram at tom andrew stew and if you enjoyed this podcast there's 11 more episodes to go back and listen to if you really enjoy this podcast please feel free to leave us a review on itunes or wherever you get it and don't forget to subscribe as well and we'll see you again next week for unlucky for some episode 13 of your fest bye love you bye bye